Hello, and welcome to the Interest Center podcast, where we connect with experts and innovators in theological education around topics important to theological school leaders. Thank you for joining us. Hello, I'm Annie Glandon, and today we will be exploring the topic of board engagement. I'm joined by our guests, Dr. Byron Klaus and Ms. Lynette Brownso. Dr. Byron Klaus serves as Vice President of Child Hope and as a consultant for educational and ministry leaders. He serves as a faculty coach for the Interest Center's Wise Stewards Initiative and is also a member of our Board of Directors. Ms. Lynette Brownso is President of L.M. Brown Management Group, a strategic consultancy firm based in Philadelphia, and also serves as a faculty coach for the Interest Center's Wise Stewards Initiative. Welcome both of you to today's conversation. We're grateful to have you with us. Great to be with you, Annie, and with Lynette, too. It's great to be with you also, Brian. I'm looking forward to this, and I'm looking forward to us having this great conversation that hopefully will help folks become better stewards. Yes, and today we just want to dive into this topic of board engagement, something that both of our guests have experience with, uh, Lynette serving as a board chair and consulting with many boards, and Byron serving as a president. So we'll be looking at this topic uh, from two different perspectives. So let's start with the why of board engagement. In your opinion, why is engagement so critical to the success of theological school boards? Byron, why don't we start with you? Yeah, you know, as a, as a president, uh, sometimes it's very easy to feel as if you're alone in this process. And, you know, there's a certain truth to that. There, you know, you, you have, to, have to accept the fact that there is a certain uh, loneliness about being a president. However, uh, it's really important that we have a, a, a board that is fully engaged, that is participatory, because the stakes are just too high right now. Uh, higher education as a whole is certainly in a huge shift, uh, not to mention, you know, the implications of COVID over the last couple of years. Uh, and on a good day, theological education is an endangered species. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's not kid ourselves. We need our board members. So for me, uh, the why starts with the fact that we need a broad base of friends of professional players who can be part of the process of leading our seminary into greater effectiveness. Mm -hmm. Byron's absolutely right. And the Wise Sewer Initiatives, one of the premises that we talk about is that the seminary is only as good as its board. So it's important to have a board that is engaged and all members are engaged and invested and they're sharing the power and the responsibilities of the mission and the work of the board. So engagement is important uh, and it's a process that should move throughout um, the work of the board. And so it's good that we're having this conversation about that. Thank you. And the people listening may be wondering, well, how can we really encourage full board engagement? So can both of you talk a little bit about some best practices um, for both encouraging board engagement and also keeping members engaged? Lynette, let's start with you. Sure. Well, I think it begins with the recruitment process. When we think about recruiting board members, we need to understand what kind of board members do we need? And we need to have some conversations with those members to ask them, what do you need to be able to be a good board member in this organization? 
What is the background information that you need? So as you're recruiting, you need to be lining up your mission of your organization and the needs of your organization with the skills of other members that we're going to be bringing on your board. And you need to be able to line them up so that they can be interested. And when they come into the board, they come engaged. So we start engagement early. We don't do an orientation and then wait for a few months for get them. If the earlier you get them engaged, the more commitment they have and the more value they will be for, to your board. Yeah, I certainly agree. You've got to start right from the beginning. It's about the people you choose and how you, uh, you know, bring them into the organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's also about how you keep them engaged. Um, you know, I like to look at uh, board members that come in. Obviously, we choose, you know, want to choose people that have had board experience, but they haven't been on this board before. So it's sort of like uh, um, an athlete. An athlete may have mm-hmm. skills, but that doesn't mean they transfer from one uh, sport to another. And there are different kinds of exercises. There's different kinds of regimens that prepare you to play in that particular sport. Obviously, skills transfer but how you play the game doesn't. And that's why we need to keep them engaged. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously they, we, we bring them in wanting them to serve in certain capacities, whether it's academics or financial or mm-hmm. fundraising, et cetera, legal. Uh, but we have to give them constant awareness of what it is to do that particular task in our organization. So mm-hmm. the more information that they can have about the way For instance, enrollment management works, Uh, the breadth of our fundraising in its various uh, areas like annual fund or capital campaigns or legacy gifting, et cetera. Uh, The more that they can know, the more they're likely to participate and uh, feel comfortable. Sometimes people don't participate and don't don't live out what they've been asked to do and expected to do simply because they're uncomfortable with the details that are necessary to do well in that organization. Absolutely. I was going to say the same thing, making sure that board members have enough information about not only how the organization functions, about theological education and the things that they're going to have to make decisions on. So they feel comfortable jumping into conversations, taking leadership roles on committees and task force. So it's really about preparing our board members and not just preparing them when they come in the board, but continuing conversations about hard topics so that they feel comfortable enough and informed enough to use their skills and expertise and bring their resources uh, to the table to help strengthen the board and the work of the board. Yeah, as a president, you know, as I, you know, was part of a process of bringing a board member on, I was also always in the back of my mind trying to say, how can I steward or really get the best out of this person? And um, so I was always, in a sense, playing the devil's advocate to myself, like, what would I want this person to know or what should this person know to be able to provide the kind of even consultancy. I mean, one of the ways that I even look at board members is they're free consultants, okay? Uh, they have certain skills, and and uh, sometimes we have not because we ask not. We, we simply don't have their skills because we don't ask particular questions, and that has to do with giving them enough information so that they feel comfortable to just sort of play into their sweet spot, and that takes a while. Uh, it takes information, and it takes... Um, 
a kind of culture that encourages conversations, uh, that is not threatening, and they feel they can come forward with things which might be latent in other contexts. Mm-hmm. And the board chair is very important in this process as well. Um, the role of the board chair is a real strategic role. Uh, how do we bring our uh, administrative and staff and president and our board together to work together uh, towards the goals that we have? So it, the board chair really plays a key role in understanding who the board members are and what kinds of things of interest um, that would get them more involved and how do we merge what our administration and president uh, and faculty are doing so that the board members are more actively involved. And so that is a role of the chair of the board to be really uh, strategic in that. The other thing I would say is to be able to make sure that most of our that your meetings are focused on mission and having mission fulfillment kinds of conversations make folks understand more about what their work is. It ensures they are more committed to the work uh, and it, it helps them understand what the work really is so they can bring their skills to the table. So having mission focused discussions, I think are really important because that's why people are there because they believe in the mission. And so how do we make that mission come alive? Yeah, I, that's a great point, Lynette. Um, one of the things that I did in my board meetings, <clears throat> I learned this little trick, I even forget where I, where I got it. Mm-hmm. Always assigned a board member at every board meeting to listen for the decisions and discussions that we had during that board meeting that, in a sense, most clearly reflected our mission. And one of the things that we did at the end of every meeting, right before we adjourned, right before we prayed at the end, was that that member then reported out to help us, to remind us, these are the things we discussed, these are the decisions we made that are in keeping with our mission. It's a way to uh, remind us what the mission is. Mm-hmm. It's a way to remind us that we either spent time on things that were less mission focused, uh, or it's a reminder of that decision that really was really connected to who we are. And uh, it was just a little, I guess you call it a trick <laughs> that <laughs> we used. Uh, to really reinforce that uh, in everybody's mind. That's a great, uh, that's a great op- a way to do that. I'm going to have to use that in one of the boards that I'm involved in. I'd also say um, being able to create opportunities for people to know each other, um, to be able to build trust. I think the most important thing in, in boards is being able to trust each other. And so you, gotta, you have to work at how do you build the trust then among your board members so that they feel comfortable in working together. So what are those things? Uh, you know, I know we're in the, in COVID these days, so we are not having dinners uh, and we're not get, getting together face-to-face, but there are opportunities to do that virtually. And I think we think to start thinking more creatively is how do we build a community virtually so that people are more engaged and feel comfortable working with each other? Yeah, that, uh, again, that's another key item, building a culture of communication and friendship uh, between members. And obviously, we're in a season right now where we've got to work harder at that. Uh, But 
I, you know, my days as a president, uh, I always had uh, the board to my house for dinner. And, um, you know, I mean, just little things like they always demanded my wife provide them with a certain dessert that they thought that was great. Well, you know, that that's a sort of a homey sort of thing, I realize. Cheesy. Uh, but, uh, you know, it really, I mean, they, they coalesced around that. And the conversations that we had in my home uh, where they, I mean, they, you found out things about them you would have never known in any other kind of context. Uh, they would talk to each other. Uh, there were nights where I'd have to remind them that we had an early morning plenary session the next morning, and they, they really needed to go to the hotel. Uh, but that's a good thing. And that kind of uh, sort of trust culture that I think allows for conversations in the more dutiful part of uh, their participation as a board member. Well, I think it'd be a wonderful idea for your wife to send pies to everyone. <laughs> yeah, I, I, she's not doing that these days. <laughs> but I also think that it's important to go back to the old idea of board assessment. And the board assessment, um, having our board members understanding what our roles, responsibilities are and what our expectations are, having assessment of that, having individual conversations with board members to assess um, how they feel about the board, how they feel about the work that they're doing, what else they need to be good stewards. Um, so it's a, a continuous kind of feedback. And from that feedback, then strategies will come forward of how to keep people in, involved and engaged. Yeah, I think that it's exactly right. I, you know, when you start cold with things like self-assessment, it seems like sort of an abrupt intrusion. Yeah, really a method to the madness. I mean, there. This this is about making us better, and uh, once you get the momentum going, people really do realize that uh, they can be better. They can learn more. They can be more effective, and uh, it it actually spills over into them feeling connected to an institution, uh, giving their time to. And uh, I think that, again, new practices are always hard to get going. You have to have the long runway, which is why I think Lynette started with the whole idea of choosing board members and board orientation. Mm -hmm. You yes. start the process. I mean, you, you start the process with the expectation of participation and the expectation that you are going to be well prepared, well prepared for the job that we're asking you to do. And that's a long runway. And that includes things like assessment, so we can continually get better at this. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so one of the things I think that many of us sit on different boards, um, and so we think, oh, we know how to be board members. Um, but you may know how to be board members, but every institution is different. Every institution has a different culture and they're different people. Um, so it's important that we spend the time as board members to be better board members if so that we can therefore continue to make our organization stronger. The stronger the board, the stronger the organization. Thank you both for offering those, those best practices. That was a, a great list, I'm sure, for, for our listeners. Um, moving on, I think you both sort of touched on this, talking about board member skill sets. 
When it comes to engagement, how do you ensure um, as the board chair or the president that you're tapping into the skills and interests of your board members? You know, I think, uh, again, it has to do with uh, creating a context of communication and relationship. Um, you know, you can obviously, you know, have, uh, you know, when you recruit them, when you bring them on the board, you can say, you know, what are you interested in? What are you good at? I mean, all those kinds of things, which are more survey oriented. But I think that over a course of time and you have a relationship, you hear stories about experiences they've had. You hear about uh, the network of friends that they have. Um, you know, it, it, it sort of becomes a, a, a growing network of information, which then allows you to tap into certain skills, relationships, uh, and certain proficiencies that they have. So it, to me, there's, there's, no, there's no secret, you know, bullet point all about, for me as a president, I have to be able to get to know people on my board, not only in group settings, but on sort of a strategic um, action steps of calling them on a regular basis, just to talk to them. them. Uh, those are the kinds of moments in which we gain a more full-orbed understanding of a board member and therefore can utilize them uh, in ways as towards their sweet spots. And I think it's a, a, a quick answer. Ask them, ask the board member, what are they interested in? Once you provide them with the background information about the seminary and the work that you're doing and the mission and where you, where you, what direction you wanna go, ask them, how do they see, they see themselves playing a role? Uh, and they will pretty much come up. And sometimes it's not necessarily the skills that they presently have. They may be interested in building another set of skills. I mean, I don't like finances, but sometimes I get on the finance committee because I need to know a little bit more about finances. So it's operate it's an opportunity for me as a board member to learn, as well as an opportunity for me to share some skills. So I think it's important to ask them. And Byron talked about having one-on-one -on -one conversations. I think that the president and the chair of the board should have one-on-one -on -one conversations. They could do that separately or they can do it collectively. But I think it's very important to have those conversations because then you're building your individual relationships and you're helping to align the skill sets and the resources that board members bring to the um, seminary and to the future direction of the seminary. Yeah. As a president and, you know, all presidents have different ways of doing things. Me personally, I really go along with what Lynette has just said that you know, we can work in a corporate setting uh, that is with all the board members. We're in group settings all the time as we discuss things, even in committees, we're in group settings. But it's really also important for the board chair and the president to have individual relationships with each board member. That's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. I think that it pays off. There is definitely return on investment uh, with the kind of time you spend uh, individually with each board member as well. And you just don't know, you know, what's going to happen in those conversations. And that that's exactly why you need to have the conversations. Byron, what would you say are some warning signs that perhaps a board is not as engaged as it should be? You know, I think that um, inconsistent attendance at board meetings, 
um, is certainly a sign. There's some, you know, obviously there's reasons for that in terms of their own personal lives and family lives and business lives, et cetera. Uh, but I think that's one sign. Another is that, um, you know, you see them multitasking in a board meeting, okay? Uh, with all of our, with all of our, um, you know, gadgets we have today, we can, you know, everybody multitasks. And if you see a usually um, engaged person spacing out on a device, that's probably a sign. Um, I, I actually know boards now increasingly are, you know, making commitments to uh, not having devices, you know, uh, other than, uh, you know, a desktop or an iPad for notes or, or board, thing, you know, board documents that come from an external site. But uh, that's an, another way. If you if you see people overly engaged in those sorts of things, uh, that's that's a, a, a red flag. And I think too, if you can see in plenary sessions where you see someone is never engaged, uh, or in committee meetings, you talk to the chair and they're never engaged, you got to figure out what's going on there. Are they bored? Are they got into something they didn't they didn't realize what it was? Uh, it would be really good not to let that go long. Yeah, I agree. Attendance is one of the key things. Involvement in committees, um, being actively involved or not, or if they're not involved. Uh, and I think what we have to do is ask the hard questions. Sometimes we see that we've got a whole group of people on our board who aren't participating, uh, and we just continue to let that happen. Um, those are red flags that we really need to then have those conversations. And the board needs to have a hard conversation. Why is that happening? Is it happening because folks are not getting the right uh, information? The communications channels aren't there. There's no work for the board. There's not clear expectations. There are a lot of reasons that that may happen. Uh, and we may have just chosen the wrong person for the board. So it's important to have that process in place where it starts in the beginning and moves forward because you... If you, if you start at the beginning and people are engaged and then they fall off, something happened. What is that? What is the hard question about what happened to make that person fall off? If you start and you never got engaged at all, maybe that wasn't the right person, which is why it's important to have your expectations and to do that assessment and an evaluation of a board on an annual basis so that you open up the dialogue and the communications about why and why not. And so if that's not the right person, then we should be honest enough to, uh, to stand up and say, we need some other kinds of skill sets here um, because we have to have a strong board and that's important. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously you have board terms and, you know, sometimes you just have to, you know, wait thing, let things go for a while. But I do think that when it comes to the re-upping of a term, uh, you know, a conversation there is really critical. And I actually have had conversations uh, with the board chair and the board member about, uh, you know, we're considering, uh, you know, your next term. Uh, you know, what do you think of that? And when a board member says, well, you do what you want, you know, I get, uh, you know, figure out what got them to there and that sort of nonchalant, you know, perspective. But I also see that as, I'm not so sure this person is a person that I want on the board. Um, you know, you, you may have to get a little bit more information, but that to me is a sign that we need to move on here. 
So it's a strategy. You know, I always talk about strategies. And so you still want to continue to have good and strong relationships, but we can agree to disagree that this is the place for you right. in terms of this board. Exactly. But, yeah. but we want you to stay a friend and a supporter. Thank you both for reflecting on this topic as you both have served on boards, uh, worked with boards, and, and Byron, you as president. I wanted to end on this question. What would you say is a point you made today or a question that came up that boards should be asking themselves as a result of listening to today's conversation? Lynette, why don't we start with you? I think that a board should be in asking itself, is board engagement a goal or value? If it's a goal, it's usually an after the fact kind of thing. Something is going wrong. And so how do we correct it? How do we have our board members more engaged? If it's a value, it's incorporated in everything you do from recruitment, the board orientation to the kind of work that you uh, have to do on the board. So where are we as a board? Do we, do we wanna have engagement because there is an engagement or do we wanna have engagement because we wanna be a stronger organization? And so how do we think about this engagement? And I think if we think about it as a value, I think it, it puts us in a much more strategic point to be able to incorporate uh, and make ensure that our board is engaged, is energized, it's functioning, and it's committed to the mission of the organization. And yeah, that's a really good, uh, you know, way to look at it, to, to ask these rhetorical questions. And I think Lynette has done that really well, you know, and if it is a value, okay, then I think a board needs to ask itself, um, what information do we need to do our job better? Uh, and you know, between a board chair and a president, uh, that that information certainly can be accessed. And uh, any board that is saying we need more information, we need more clarity, we need more data, we need more background, even historically, <laughs> about why this institution is acting the way it is. I think that's a that's a really good value. <laughs> as in an action step, which says they really do have value and they want to make sure that they live out that value. Thank you both. I just wanted to uh, thank you and extend my gratefulness for you joining us for this discussion on board engagement. It was great to see you both. Always great to be with Lynette. Good seeing you, Brian, as well. Thank you for listening to the Interest Center podcast. For more information about this podcast and other episodes, and for additional resources, visit intrust.org.